This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh Entertainment, music, pop culture, LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. It is Friday and honey, we have made it to the end of the week. Give yourself a pat on the back because you deserve. I'm Ryan Mitchell, you know, one of the hosts of Let's Go There and Shira and Ryan. We have Shar Jassel because Shira is out of town, but we'll be back on Monday. Yes, but Shar Jassel, thank you so much for having a wonderful time with me this week. Yes, five days. TGIF. She, we uh, made it to the end. TGIF. And you had a busy night really quickly. You went to go see a screener of Aretha Franklin's new movie. Yes, Respect. Her yes, biopic Jennifer starring Hudson. Jennifer Hudson. Hudson that's not husband. husband. <laughs> Jennifer Hudson and Marlon Wayans. And I thought that... <laughs> It was a, it was so masterfully done. The colors, the costume design, the way it's filmed. I just my only critique because I can't really say too Don't much. Get too much out. I'm not because it's under embargo. But what I will say is I wish it was a full biopic. To me, it's kind of memoir-ish because it does not cover all of her life. It's like from birth up until a certain point. Well, but it's still good. It's still very good. And I think when's Jennifer, it come out? Do you know? August, August 13th, I believe. August 13th. And Jennifer is coming for her, uh, her award Amy, season. Our Oscar. Another one. Yeah, another one. We love to see it. Yeah. That was really exciting to see you out in the town last night. I didn't do anything, but that doesn't matter because we got to get into the show. <laughs> Let's get into what's trending this hour. We actually have a lot of good stuff coming up on the show as a whole. We have actress, model, activist, and CEO Carmen Carrera joining us today, um, which is going to be fun. We have Glad dropping by. We have a lot of things going on. Let's talk what's trending this hour, though. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, so COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths in the U.S are rising again. The director of the CDC um, sounded the alarm over what she described as a pandemic of the unvaccinated. That is super intense. Here you go. There is a clear message that is coming through. This is becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We are seeing outbreaks of cases in parts of the country that have low vaccination coverage because unvaccinated people are at risk. And communities that are fully vaccinated are generally faring well. Wow. People who are unvaccinated are the worst. I'm just going to say that right now. Putting that out there. We need everyone. But you know what? Part of me doesn't even want to blame them because I feel like it's depending. It's literally incumbent on where you live. If you're in a red state and there's all that anti-vax propaganda, you may not be as, you know, prone to go out and get your vaccinations. But you should because Delta variant is wrecking shop and she's taking names and prisoners. 
All right, um, that's going to be it for the T, not the T report, but the what's trending this hour as of right now. We got more stories coming up later in the show. Right now, we're going to go throw it to the T report. What's happening? So, actress Shailene Woodley is on the cover of The Hollywood Reporter this week. And she's discussing a major health concern that she has faced and one that has, it's been so intense that she's been forced to turn down roles because she, quote, physically couldn't participate in them. Now, um, she opened up getting candid about an illness. She hasn't really disclosed. She's kind of danced around this because she talked to the New York Times prior to talking to The Hollywood Reporter. Um, And she's only 29, and she previously revealed that she was, quote, very, very sick in her early 20s. Uh, A direct quote from her is, it was very debilitating. I said no to a lot of projects. No, because I wanted to. Not because I wanted to, but because I physically couldn't participate in them. And I definitely suffered a lot more than I had to because I had to take care of myself. The self-inflicted pressure of not wanting to be helped or taken care of created more physical unrest throughout the years. Now, the Big Little Lies star described what it's like suffering from this condition that isn't extremely observable to others. She says, unless someone can see that you have broken an arm or broken a leg, it's very difficult for people to relate to the pain that you're experiencing when it's silent, quiet, invisible pain. So I hope that she just gets well soon because I enjoy Shailene Woodley's projects. I like her. And she was, I do too. She was down at that pipeline. Remember she went to jail? She, she was sure arrested? Is. She's a protester. I'd like to see her in more things. So whatever it is, I hope that she has a speedy recovery or she at least she can manage it. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I, I really appreciated the story. If you want to check out more of the story, head over to wearechillercute.com. Um, because right now we got more show coming up. A new study revealed yesterday that people living with HIV are more likely to become severely ill with COVID-19. How is this information different from the other information? Well, we're breaking it down all together with everything you need to know. Coming up next, enjoy the show. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Okay, so people living with HIV are more likely to become severely ill with COVID-19 and more likely to die if hospitalized than others infected with coronavirus, according to a large new study. Joining us to discuss this further is Dr. Michael Sag, professor of medicine, uh, director of UAB Center for AIDS Research. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, great to be back with you guys. So this new study is really interesting because I thought we already kind of knew this information. So what is different about this news than other research uh, that has kind of come up to the um, to so, everyone's knowledge? So this study was presented um, at a conference. I haven't seen the details, to be honest, but uh, I think a lot of it, it was more of a global study. So it involved people from all over the world. What I don't know is the proportion of people who were on antiretroviral therapy and successfully suppressed. Most of the data that we saw before this time were sites from, say, the U.S., Canada, Europe, Australia, where the majority of people are on antiretroviral therapy. And when that happens and their viral load is suppressed for many years, their immune systems are pretty much close to normal, not completely, but mostly. And so if you have somebody, on the other hand, who's not on antiretroviral therapy, their virus is still uncontrolled, 
then they're at more risk of any type of superimposed infection, including COVID. And my sense is that's what that study really is telling us. Yeah, I think you're actually right, because um, uh, one of the doctors are the um, that kind of looked at the study results said the global community must do more to ensure immediate vaccine supply to countries with high HIV disease, uh, disease prevalence. And it's so interesting that we're looking at this from such a global perspective, because it seems like we would have been doing that from the beginning, like the jump, uh, right? Not with American <laughs> exceptionalism. You I know, just, we just... are a very narcissistic country. <laughs> I have to ask, though, because I know that this was a study that was recently uh, conducted, but there's also it seems like every day there's a new Greek alphabet uh, variant of COVID emerging. We got the alpha. We got the epsilon. We got the lambda. I'm sure we'll have the omega, the beta. Like, it just seems like it's never ending. Do you know if this study covers the other variants or how that might affect people who are living with HIV? Yeah, I'm sure it probably does, depending on the region of the country. And I'm worried about that Omega, right? Right, right. That I'm afraid that of the end. That, 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 <laughs> yeah, that won't be won't be covered by the vaccination somehow. So so far, all the Greek alphabet soup uh, variants are covered to a good degree by, especially the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine. And you're right. What we should be doing now is exporting our va- our vaccines to other parts of the world. I tell you, I'm in Alabama and our uptake of vaccinations is pretty pitiful right now. Um, And my attitude is, you know, we'll give everybody an opportunity, but if these vaccines look like they're going to expire, let's get them out to the rest of the world Mm -hmm. where they can be put to good use if people here don't want them. Yeah, you're so right. And um, I kind of want to pivot a little bit from just the HIV specifics of this because there's a new Harris poll um, that was just conducted that found that 62% of unvaccinated respondents believe the Delta variant makes, uh, it's quoted, makes me second guess whether I should even get vaccinated. When you're hearing something about that, especially being in Alabama, in this country, what does that make you feel? Because at this point, it feels like, all right, well, more variants are popping up and people feel like they don't need to get vaccinated. It's the complete opposite of how we get out of this. It's completely opposite. I mean, right now, literally, I'm talking to you from the UAB hospital in the monoclonal antibody clinic. We are swamped today. We have 16 patients just in one day almost all of whom have the Delta variant, the majority of whom have not been vaccinated. The death rates in Alabama, for that matter, the country, over the last three months, 99.2% of deaths in the United States were due, occurred in unvaccinated people. I don't know what more evidence we need than that. That is overwhelming. And the sad news is that almost every one of those deaths is preventable if people would just get vaccinated. So the majority of people I'm seeing today in my clinic and what we're seeing throughout Alabama right now is it's becoming almost exclusively Delta variant. So not getting vaccinated is not protecting people against the Delta variant. It is here. It is 10 times, 10 times more infectious Mm. than the original COVID strain that hit us in 2020. Yeah, we've been covering a lot of COVID uh, stories this week, and I just read about two children. They can't disclose their actual ages because of, you know, like HIPAA violations, I guess. But there's two children between the ages of one and under 17 that are like on life support in Mississippi right now with the Delta variant because people do not want to get vaccinated. Yeah, it's more than that. I mean, one of my patients today has 
uh, a child who's under the age of 12 or everybody else in their family was vaccinated. And that younger child was in the ICU here at University at Children's Hospital. Um, fortunately, the child has recovered mostly and will be going home today. But the but it's scary. And we need to get this vaccine out to as many people as we can. It does protect against Delta. Some of the patients that I'm seeing now who have been vaccinated, they got sick with the Delta variant, but they are not nearly as sick as the people who are unvaccinated. They had mild symptoms that will go away. The vaccine does protect against uh, serious hospitalization and death, and that's the reason to get the vaccine. Thank goodness we have that thing, because otherwise we'd be in a world of hurt. Well, thank you for all the work that you can uh, can constantly do. Um, That is Dr. Michael Sag, the director at the UAB Center for AIDS Research and a professor of medicine. We always appreciate you for coming on the show. Great being back with you. Now, coming up, did y'all know that Donald Trump and Bill O'Reilly were going on tour together? Yeah, I didn't either, and the tickets aren't selling. So that's coming up next with Politico. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Donald Trump is going on a speaking tour with Bill O'Reilly. I mean, it's not like the world was already going to, I don't know, to hell in a handbasket, but we needed a speaking tour from Donald Trump and Bill O'Reilly. But guess what? It's having trouble selling tickets, according to interviews with ticketing officials for the venues. Joining us to tell us everything is Daniel Lipman, reporter uh, from Politico, covering the White House in Washington. Hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. So I had no clue that this was even happening, Donald Trump and Bill O'Reilly going on a a tour together. When did this all even, this idea come about? Like, when did we hear about this? So this all started in early June when they announced this tour. Uh, They're going to Orlando, Dallas, Houston, and Sunrise, Florida near Miami. And the tickets went on sale on, on June 14th. And I called up, got a tip about this, called up. Uh, box office officials at all these places, and they and they all told me that there isn't that much demand for it, uh, and so you know they're having trouble selling tickets. Yeah, you know what's so funny is before uh, we went live, I was talking about like I watch The View on a daily basis, right? So they were talking about this this morning. And I thought it was funny because these are the the places that they're touring are traditionally would be considered Trump land. What do you think it is? Why why is why is his constituents not coming out to support him? Well, I think it's a combination of factors. People are uh, less interested in politics now that, um, you know, Trump is no longer in office and that we have a president who prioritizes um, kind of being boring. And so there's just less. Um, fascination with Washington. Uh, And I think people are, you know, they would probably get a lot of repetition in these uh, types of events. And so you're not going to get a ton of fresh stuff from uh, President Trump. And Bill O'Reilly isn't exactly a huge draw these days either. And so it's kind of a perfect storm. Uh, And they haven't done much marketing, as the Trump officials pointed out. Well, also, you know, uh, not to Sarah Haynes on The View, she pointed out the ticket prices. It's very different. I think the tickets range from, what, like $100 to 1000 And it's very different than going to a free rally, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to, you know, spend, use your hard-earned money to uh, go to uh, this type of, uh, or to a rally. And here, uh, VIP tickets cost $8,500, uh, and regular tickets go from 100 to 300 
And so and there's already a resale market because, is of course, the ticket brokers, they buy it up and then they want to re- you know sell it for higher. Yeah. So do you think this is just reflective of people wanting to like just kind of get away from the news cycle altogether? Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, Trump, he prioritizes, he loves kind of being at the center of the news. He uh, is always obsessed with crowd sizes. And so the fact that uh, there isn't a ton of interest for this is probably a bad sign for uh, his 2024 run because uh, people are, you know, might be sick of um, this type of, you know, his rhetoric and they want new faces on the scene. Uh, and he's been around the block for a while and uh, wasn't exactly the most gracious loser when he lost the presidential election last November. You know, listening to you speak, I'm thinking, or they might just be sick. You know, these are anti-vaxxers. <laughs> they might just be sick. Maybe they can't attend because they're hooked up to the ICU. A lot of them. Hopefully not. But. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh-huh. but <laughs> Ryan, are you okay? I was um, expecting so that. So I have to, I, what I want to know, your personal opinion What's coming next? Like he tried his little website because he got booted off of social media. Now this doesn't seem to be working. That's like two strikes. What do you predict that he might do next in the event that they have to shelve these events? I don't think they're going to shelve them. I think they would probably just lower the ticket prices uh, and just, you know, hand out free tickets. Remember, this is a, uh, you know, he uh, paid people to attend his his, uh, opening uh, his campaign announcement in 2015, and so they'll they'll find anything to, uh, you know, pack a crowd. And so I think these events are going. And you know, they said that uh, they've already grossed seven five to seven million dollars on it. They their figures varied, which was kind of funny. Uh, but this is not a, uh, you know, it would be. I would probably hope to get the scoop if they cancel it, but that would be they're not going to do that. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Daniel Lipman, for joining us, reporter from Politico, covering all things the White House and Washington. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Okay, so coming up, because I'm done talking about Trump, Subway launched a new website to address Tunagate. And we're about to check it out live here on air. Literally, I'm typing in the website right now. Get our reaction. We should do a taste test. Oh, not Tuna. Oh, my God. (laughs) This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so the website is Subway. Wait, SubwayTunaFacts.com. Subway is sick of the slander. People have been talking about how the tuna is not real. It, it you know, it doesn't I, even contain tuna. It doesn't allegedly. have tuna in it. The bread. Is that- well, the bread was a few years ago. It yeah, had okay. yoga mat. Well, Subway has always had these swirling rumors about the, the context of their meats and their foods that we are all inhaling and, and, and eating. Ingesting. Ingesting. All those things that we're doing with their food. And Subway has had enough with all the lies. Well, they've come out with a website called SubwayTunaFacts.com that says Subway tuna is real tuna. That's right. The truth is, Subway uses wild-caught skipjack tuna regulated by the FDA. A favorite among sub-lovers are tuna... Oh, a sub-lover. Are you sub? Are you a sub? No, I'm a dom-lover. <laughs> <laughs> a favorite among sub-lovers are tuna is and has always been high-quality, premium, and 100%. I'm calling lies. They have a tuna fact-check, a tuna Q&A, and a Subway tuna supply chain. There is so much. <laughs> this is PR cleaning it up because if I'm not mistaken, the tests that were conducted were conducted a few times by yeah. a few different types of labs and stuff. And the tuna yeah. fish was not tuna fish. Here's the thing. It says the New York Times, the myth is what they're saying on the website. The New York Times reported Subway's premium fan favorite tuna wasn't actually tuna. They said truth not true. What actually happened is that the New York Times commissioned a test that could de- couldn't detect tuna DNA in their sample. According to scientific experts... Why would we experts, need tuna DNA if it's tuna? <laughs> this is not unusual when testing cooked tuna, and it absolutely doesn't mean the sample that was tested contained zero tuna. Honestly, Why Subway is saying, I'm ready to fight. Somebody meet me out on the street, catch well, me if, outside, I'm ready to fight. If they actually had tuna, this wouldn't be an issue. It's actually really weird. I don't even like tuna, to be honest. I don't really understand how We talked about eat this. Tuna. I'm a huge, it, I like a good canned fish. It smells horrible. I like tuna. I like sardines. Oh my God. I've I actually make, I like anchovies on my pizza. I've witnessed Char eating these things over <laughs> FaceTime. And she's tried to hide them from me, being like, oh, I'm not telling you what I'm eating. But no, I knew exactly what she was eating because she was trying to hide these little fish things that she was eating, little Nemo's, just literally chomping down with some hot sauce over. <laughs> and a cracker, a saltine, maybe a little bit of mustard. I love a canned fish. And like I said, I like the little salty anchovies on my pizza. Absolutely disgusting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do y'all believe this? I, why do you feel like Subway has to come out with I'm the entire Subway tuna. Subway tuna facts? I'm telling you, I think this, this is an Olivia Pope situation. I, do not, I think Subway is not being truthful. That is what I think. If this isn't the truth, then what else do you think well, is no, like no, fake? No, no, no. Let me take that back. I think that they're being truthful now. Yeah. Like the new batch of tuna that's out <laughs> now. Like if you go get a we tuna just, sub, <laughs> we got a new order of tuna. And it's going to be actually tuna, right? <laughs> yeah. Because the truth of the matter is, Ryan, if you really look at this, the yeah. truth of the matter is, if it really were tuna, why did it take them so long to even develop this and counteract the studies that were conducted? That's true. That's true. It's been months. I think Char may be Olivia Pope. It's been months. Yeah. Now what? they're cleaning it up. Let us know what your thoughts are. I think um, Tuna Gate is sticking around for a while. I don't think it's going anywhere if you're if you want to be quite honest. But let us know your thoughts at LGT Show Everywhere. Right now we got more show coming up. What's trending this hour? And the White House is saying, guess what? There are 12 people responsible for all the misinformation that we're seeing about COVID-19 on social media. I wonder who they are. More details coming up in What's Trending This Hour. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right. The show is going on. We're having a good old time. And coming up this hour is Carmen Carrera. If you don't know who she is, she's an actress, activist, and absolutely amazing. And she's actually coming on the show to talk about trans roles in Hollywood. She's been very outspoken about trans representation when it comes to films and um, how we should be telling those stories. They shouldn't just be rooted in trauma and, and heartbreak. But you know that's people's favorite trope. Yeah, for sure. People's and- favorite trope. People cannot digest trans joy. We'll talk about it later. <laughs> they can't. It's like unfathomable. Well, I mean, and it's funny because that's going to also be reflected in the conversation that we have with GLAAD coming up this hour about how there hasn't been any trans roles or trans people in films in the last four years. Wild. And so, yeah, we're going to be talking about how Hollywood needs to get their crap together immediately. But right now, let's get into what's trending this hour. Are you ready? Yep. Okay, so Joe Biden, the White House turned up the pressure on Silicon Valley to get a handle on vaccine misinformation, uh, specifically singling out 12 people, one group dubbed the Disinformation Dozen, saying they were responsible for a great deal of the misinformation about COVID-19, Now, uh, which is crazy. Now, were these 12, I want to emphasize 12 people or 12 like organizations? No, these are 12 people in a wow. Facebook group. And they're creating so memes yes. and everybody's just sharing them and circulate. That is yes. some power right this, there. It's, it's literally insane. And here's actually what Joe Biden had to say about Facebook not handling this because um, people are not happy. Yeah. It's coming. Your message to platforms like Facebook. They're killing people. I mean, it really, look, the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And and they're they're killing people. He basically is saying that Facebook is killing people. If they don't get that in handle, he actually said Facebook is killing people. You know what's wild is that that's an evergreen statement. It's actually you could really have said evergreen. that in 2014, yeah, and you can and you can say it in 2021. It's it's unfortunate how real that is, but yeah, I the, wish they would have better regulations around some things, and it, it goes beyond the conversation of like censorship and stuff. Like, yeah, there's their lives on the line here, Mark Zuckerberg. I just like how matter of fact he was. That's something that I I, I missed about uh, you know a president in the White House and just kind of saying it how it is. And literally, he was asked, what's your mes- a message <laughs> to platforms like Facebook? And he said, they're killing people. Yeah, Like, that's real. Um, and I think we really have to start holding them more accountable. And so I think that's what the administration is focused on right now. Um, let's jump down to Lindsey Graham, because this story is wild. He decided to insert himself into a dispute at the University of Notre Dame, where some students briefly opposed an effort to open up a Chick-fil-A it's, uh, over its owner's religious positions in the Republican senator's latest effort to seize upon a culture war issue to score points with his party's base. Here's what he had to say. He said, I've always thought Notre Dame was one of the greatest universities in America, if not the world. Um, <laughs> it's disappointing to hear some ND students and faculty want to ban Chick-fil-A from doing business on campus because they disagree with the values held by the Chick-fil-A founders. What a dangerous pre- uh, precedent to set. He then declared this. I want everyone in South Carolina and across America to know I have Chick-fil-A's back. I hope we don't have to, but I will go to war for the principles Chick-fil-A stands oh my for. God. 
Oh, is it? Is it? Is I don't know. Are we in the twilight zone? We're not. People are bored <laughs> and looking for anything to distract. But I mean, if there's any indication of where Chick Fil A's uh, founders or CEO stands, you got Lindsey Graham coming out beating his chest in full support of you. So that, and they probably are excited about that. I'm sure this is a celebrity to them. This is like I'm their sure. Beyonce. I'm sure <laughs> it really is. Good old <laughs> Lindsey Graham. <laughs> oh God! Well, that's it for your what's trending this hour. Let's head over to the T Report. Wait, was Lindsey Graham the one that they were calling Lady G? Yep, that homophobia, but we'll we'll talk about it another time. Anyway, Chrissy Teigen (laughs) is speaking about being a member of the quote-unquote cancel club following her bullying controversy. Now... She called for a support group for people who have been canceled. The cookbook author, who is 35, wrote a long Instagram post on Wednesday. Did you see this Instagram post, Ryan? Um, no, because I refuse to read any other medium post that she decides Honestly, to post on her captions. It's on like, Instagram. Chrissy, come on, get a therapist. Leave us out of it, please. <laughs> Um, Poor Chrissy, though. She's going through it. She is, but I mean, rightfully so, based on those tweets. But she said, "Uh, I really don't know what to say here. Just feels weird to pretend nothing happened in this online world, but feel like utter peep in real life. Oh, good. You weren't like me the other day. Oh, no. You with Cardi. The model (laughs) went on to say that she feels lost and wants to find her place again. What are your thoughts on this, Ryan? Okay, so we were discussing this a little bit because we were going to do this story yesterday and talk about it a little bit longer. But I think Chrissy Teigen's having an identity crisis. Who is she outside of social media? I don't know if she knows. Uh, Once she found social media and she found community there, it became her life. And now she has But she she was the cookbook lady. Yeah, but before that, she wasn't. Chrissy Teigen used to be a regular girl before she became this celebrity. And, and she was and a with- talk show host. Remember on that flop panel talk show where Tyra Banks was a part of it for no. like one episode? Oh, it was a mess. We'll, we'll Google on, oh, on wait, break. Actually, I do remember yeah, that show. It was show. a mess. I do remember that show. It was a okay, mess. Okay, so, yeah, and so but I think she is me- having a hard time figuring out who she is because right now I honestly feel like she's addicted to social media. Let me ask you this really quickly. Do you think that cancel culture is real? No, not to anyone who is me neither. not black me neither <laughs> well, and, and a even, black woman well a black woman that, that's we, they got rid of Corsette but they still amplify Kanye if you know yeah, you know I, I just don't, I don't believe think, in, yeah. in cancel culture either because real. you will always have an audience regardless of what you say or do there will always be an audience and if you lose your primary audience I'm sure the There's controversy will acquire With some people new who ones. also hate right. cancel culture so like it right, doesn't exist right. I'm sorry until people are just you know on the street after coming off of like a high career yeah it's just not going to it's happen. It's not. That's your T report. Check out more of what she had, uh, Chrissy Teigen had to say on what's trending. Oh, not what's trending. Um, we are channelq.com. And um, yeah, we have more show coming up. Glad's joining us. Are y'all ready? Exciting. They're joining us to talk about the biggest surprises coming out of their ninth studio responsibility index and how Hollywood is really screwing up big time. We got more show coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Glad's ninth studio responsibility index was released yesterday and revealed that there was not a single trans character depicted in any of the movies released by the major studios last year for the fourth year in a row. Joining us to break down everything we need to know is Megan Townsend, Glad's director of entertainment research and analysis. And when I tell y'all, she's like the smartest person I might know. Seriously, it's intense. Hi, Megan. Megan, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. Oh my God. Okay, so let's talk about this. For anyone who doesn't know about the SRI, tell us a little bit about it and the importance of this report. 
Absolutely. Uh, our Studio Responsibility Index really looks at the films that are coming out from these major studios that are you know, getting serious money put behind them, serious budget, serious marketing uh, that come out in every you know state in the country and across the world. And so we really want to make sure that no matter what city you live in, if you happen to be in L.A. or if you happen to be in Michigan, uh, that you can walk into a movie theater and see something on that board of screen time uh, that is going to include somebody who looks and loves and experiences life the way that you do. You know, as a woman who is trans myself, this is just adds to further like disenchantment. Um, mm-hmm. I actually moderated a panel called Where We Are in TV for Glad a few months ago, and that was, those results mm-hmm. were just as abysmal. So how did COVID impact your research process for this year, specifically this year's SRI? Absolutely. It's, uh, I, I think it's not a shock to anybody that looking back at theatrical releases in 2020 was uh, definitely a, a bit of a difficult process. So we were looking at less films than we might see in a normal year, uh, and things are a little bit in, uh, in a bit of a shift right now in the industry. And I don't think anybody really knows, you know, what it'll, what it'll look like next year or in five years. Uh, but I think it's, it's still important that COVID or not, that, you know, we're, we're not giving a pass in any way mm-hmm. uh, to say that less is okay or that this is, um, that it isn't important and critical and, uh, and crucial for LGBTQ stories. So even though, you know, we were looking at a different data set than, than what we might have ever done before, uh, it was important to us that we still, you know, came with the same amount of, of analysis and, and information as we always do. Yeah, it's you're so right. And I think at this point, especially because there were some moments where diversity was high um, on in this year's SRI, which is which is great, but it still kind of felt a little bare minimalist. But what are the key mm-hmm. like steps you think that should a studio should be taking to make sure that this doesn't happen again? You know, they kind of lucked up with us not having to give them, uh, um, you know, a passing or a failing grade this year. If yeah. you think about it, absolutely. I think that the biggest thing uh, that the studios can do is reach out to GLAAD. We are here to be a resource. We are always available, you know, by email, by phone, uh, and bring us in early enough to where we can still, uh, you know, help you uh, look at your content and, and see if there are ways that, um, that it could be stronger, better, more inclusive. Uh, and I think also just investing in um, in the LGBTQ community, whether that be hiring uh, queer, trans writers, producers, directors, actors, uh, but also investing in having uh, marketing plans that, you know, that talk to the community when you do have a great uh, queer movie coming out. We know that the LGBTQ audience is, is a passionate one and a loyal one and a growing one. So I think that it's only going to, you know, as in the years to come, become more and more of a, um, a pressing conversation and, and necessity for these studios to, uh, to 
include us in their stories, but also, uh, you know, to follow through with what that means in marketing those stories and, and what that means when it comes to speaking out in support of the community when so, when we need them yeah. uh, and uh, supporting organizations, supporting pride, all of those things. Um, so I think it's, it's only a growing conversation that, uh, yeah. uh, you know, we're have, always here to have. I have one quick, quick uh, question because we got to go. In your personal opinion... Okay. Do you think, because I know that these studios are seeing these reports, you all are really holding their feet to the fire. Do you think that this erasure is by happenstance or it is intentional at this point in the game? I think that it's finally starting to change. I, I think it used to be a bit more um, a bit more purposeful. And I think now things are beginning to change. I don't think that it's changing fast enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think this is kind of only in the past two years have we really had uh, a lot of content to put into our our kind of opportunities ahead that we talk about in the report. Um, so I think it is finally starting to change. I think it'll it'll still take a few years for those things to come out. Yeah. Um, but if nothing else, I think that the past year has forced everyone to really look at you know what what their commitments are and and what are they doing to bring uh, meaningful change on behalf of all historically excluded communities? Well, honestly, they have no other choice when Megan Townsend is running the the, the, <laughs> the ship over at GLAAD and making sure this report is as amazing as it is. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Megan Townsend, GLAAD's Director of Entertainment Research and Analysis. We love having you on. Thank you again for having me. Of course. Now, actress and activist uh, Carmen Carrera has been very outspoken uh, spoken recently about the importance of holding Hollywood accountable when it comes to trans roles. And guess what? She is joining us here on the show to talk more about it. And um, we got, I don't know, it's just getting started. The show's good today. I'm enjoying it. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. So we just finished up an amazing conversation about GLAD's ninth annual Student Responsibility Index and finding out that there was not a single trans character in any roles <laughs> really hits me hard, which is why I'm very excited that we're happy to have actress and activist Carmen Carrera joining us further to discuss the importance of trans roles in Hollywood because, honey, she has been outspoken about it. Queen, thank you so much for being on Let's Go There. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Oh, my God. One, it has been so long since we've had you on the show. I want to just do a quick little check-in. How have you been this year? How's everything been going? Um, Because, obviously, last year was just crazy for everyone. So let's just do a quick little check-in. How are you? I'm good. Thank God. Um, I'm doing good. You know, my my marketing business is taking off. I own CC3 Entertainment. Um, I have 22 influencers on my roster, and... I'm trying to expand on the um, opportunities for LGBT uh, influencers. Um, but also, too, I just walked the shows at Miami Swim Week. Um, I had a great time um, partnering with Vizzy and Visible Mobile uh, this Pride season. And I'm just focused on, honestly, just living my best life. You know how this is. Like, it, it is a stressful industry, but there's so many changes happening um, for the positive, but it's still like an upward sort of battle, you know, to, to get more inclusivity and representation. So just kind of focusing on that. For sure. Yes. And you looked great on the runway, by the way. I did see your Instagram post from you walking that show for the swim week. Um, but yeah. I, wanted, I wanted to ask you, Carmen, this is Char, by the way. I wanted to ask you, speaking to the point that you made regarding trans roles, why did you feel like this was something uh, that was important? Well, because, you know, I'm here in Los Angeles. I've been here for three years, um, focused on, you know, taking auditions and trying to find the right role for me, the right character for me. You know, I'm seeing that a lot of a lot of the, the current narrative that's out there now, you know, is, is based in a lot of trauma. You know, we become sort of like, you know, living in that victimhood mentality and coming from a place of lack. <clears throat> and I'm looking at, you know, of my life and, and I'm just like, you know what? I would love to see a trans character that is thriving, that is, you know, you know, part of an amazing social group because it's a real thing. So, you know, I kind of feel like part of me is like, we're not seeing a hundred percent of our possibility be represent, represented uh, truthfully, you know, because I know so many girls out here in LA um, that are not necessarily in the industry, but are still thriving and are still amazing and are still, you know, living uh, an amazing life and I think that also needs that story that needs to be to the world. Yeah, so uh, just real quick, you're kind of breaking up a little bit. Not sure if you're in, in your car or anything, but it's like it's breaking up a little bit. But this is such an important conversation to have because I do think for some reason, we uh, society has attached themselves to knowing only trans folks in the sense of like trauma and just like yeah. just wanting, it's like they're horny over it. Yeah, it's like that's the only way they yeah. want to hear those stories. <clears throat> why? Why do you feel like that? Is it is it because they don't want to imagine that y'all's your experience is nothing more than that, or is it that's just everything that we're seeing currently about trans you know women, especially trans women of color, specifically Black women? What do you think that mm-hmm. is? Why are, why are we so as a culture so stuck on only hearing trans stories like that? Well, I think that's because um, I think people might you know, get a little kick out of that. You know, it's like maybe, you know, there's so much adversity that does exist. There's so much ignorance out there that does exist. And I think that maybe 
you know, uh, a lot of the writers are catering to that, you know, idea that, well, the public already thinks less, you know, thinks less of us. So maybe they'll accept us if we give them that, that narrative, you know, versus us actually shining um, and being powerful, you know, which is what I would like to see. I'd like to reset the idea and the perception of trans people and, and how we fit into society um, just to give the world options. Because I think, yes, a lot of adversity does exist, but I also think there's a lot of open-minded folks who are allies and maybe we should give them, you know, some new ideas of, of, of our potentiality, you know, and how we can fit in to the world, the day, you know, day-to-day life. Yeah, and I always like, sometimes I want to be like a consultant on a show, but once you're a consultant, you know, the script is already written and I'm so, so grateful to you for going public and making these remarks because I always tell Ryan in particular, I literally have turned down speaking engagements because I'm so tired of people, uh, you know, tapping me to tap into specific traumas and then I found that sometimes my trauma ain't enough for them because I live a very happy, Mm. a very joyous life and it does seem like overarchingly, even outside of Hollywood, sometimes the only time trans people well trans women specifically are tapped is if it's some sort of trauma porn situation it's like they just refuse to see us like you mentioned thriving and well-rounded and living these all-encompassing lives with careers and and partners and pets and you know all the good stuff here's the thing i want to keep this conversation going because i feel like we're really in a sweet spot here and carmen i don't want you going anywhere because i don't know when the next time you're going to be back on the show so we got more carmen career coming back on the show don't go anywhere y'all because we just getting started Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. We are back with actress and activist uh, Carmen Carrera. And honey, we are having a very great conversation. Thank you so much for being back on Let's Go There. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This is a great conversation. No, and I, I think what's super important, and I, I would love to know if you're comfortable talking about it, as an actress and growing in this space, do you feel comfortable having those conversations with the people who are writing these scripts or you're on set and you're feeling like, this doesn't represent this character or this doesn't represent who I am or my experience? Do you feel that that space to be able to kind of speak up? Yeah, I mean, I try to. You know, I work on um i worked on another show uh called jane the virgin and i was on the first episode the pilot season and i remember um the character you know she's a she's one of the bartenders she's trans and you know when i went in and i read for the role um with the other actors the other actors were really excited to have me because they felt like i was one of the girls but when i was on set and i kind of gave that flavor um, the director like immediately cut and was like, no, 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 no. Like you have to do it this way, which mm. is like a more like shy sort of like outsider versus like, mm. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in where, you know, these are my people, these are my friends. And so from then on, I learned that like, I have to be careful of when I do, you know, step out of the, like, uh, what's expected, you know, and like play up the character. Like I have to kind of, you know, I kind of forced myself to stick to what other people wanted of me. So, wow. you know, that was then. Now I'm more like, okay, before I get the job, like, I need to make it very clear of, like, what exactly they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Because I'm aware of, like, me being an actress. And it's like, yes, I have to play the role. But at the same time, I feel a responsibility um, because so many people look to me for inspiration. And, you know, I want to be able to play an inspiring character versus having my real life be the inspiration because I still have to live my life, 
you know, mm-hmm. so I try to be as vocal as I can so that I can um, create a character that's inspiring, you know. I, um, and so, yeah, it's like just it, I, I'm, I feel brave now more than I did before. Before I was a little bit more like complacent, like, OK, you yeah. know, because I was scared. I didn't want to lose my job. But now I'm like, no, I have a responsibility. So, yeah, like I'll definitely touch base with the creative team ahead of time. I love that. I love that. Um, I got to get your opinion. When you as you were speaking, I was thinking about one of my friends who is an actor and he is gay and male and black. And he said he went to an audition that was calling for drag queens. They wanted like drag performers there. And when he got there, it turns out that it was actually for a trans storyline. But they were trying to tell a very specific. They they want to give a very specific look to the trans person, mm. so to speak. He said he wow. left the audition. Um, but I want you mentioned mm. a responsibility and I find that, you know, I have a lot of girlfriends who are trans, who are actresses, who are kind of caught in this like space where on the other side of the Netflix documentary disclosure, you do kind of have a responsibility as far as what you represent. But how do you balance that when the writer's room is still giving, is only offering trans women in and trans men, you know, traumatizing roles and also gatekeeping it so that trans people cannot necessarily, I don't want to say, audition but trans people very rarely get to play cis people in um in media so how do you kind of balance that responsibility out if all if the only roles that are being offered are those rooted in trauma well i to be honest with you i just either sit them out or i'll just you know like i just kind of like continue focusing on something else you know like i'm i've been kind of like um I've had my hand in a lot of different things. Like I'll do acting or runway shows, or maybe I'll do like the influencer vibe, you know, I'm working on music, like, and it's just to keep myself busy while I hope and pray that something changes. And, you know, I'll still do the auditions just for the sake of flexing my actor muscle. But if there's a role that comes along that I just feel is not going to help advance us at all, like I'll just, I'll turn it down, you know, and I'm, I've been taking a lot of roles lately. Like the last two roles that I've just taken, one is on the Garcias, which is a reboot of the brothers Garcia. They don't even mention my transness. You know, I'm just um, a salon worker who's going to probably take over the business. And she's just a businesswoman. That's it. You know, it's not so much about, let's dive into her past or let's crack a trans joke or let's, you know, whatever, like have her be denied work or healthcare. Like it's, that's not in the storyline at all. And that's why I was happy to take that role. But, you know, a lot of the roles that do come in, you know, I would say 95% of them are like roles where I'm, you know, suffering of some suffering and like, it's just going to be bad until the end of the series. And that's about it. And there's no space, or, you know, a butterfly moment or a transformation moment mm-hmm. um, that doesn't exist. You I know, know that has to be I know that has to be exhausting as an actress and then also just you as a person having to take all of that on. Because I, I just imagine, especially I think about actors and actresses in general where they're playing these really intense characters and it's just like how do you separate yourself, but then when the it's you gotta of, get in the role. Right. And then when it <laughs> but it, if it reflects like an experience or mm-hmm. something, I, I just can't imagine the double on top of what you're experiencing afterwards like are you able to to kind of purge that out after playing roles like that i mean i i want to play roles that are complex but i just hate the fact that 
the writers don't think that we have other feelings besides the complications and, right. you know, social changes that come from transition. What about the rest of our lives? We still mm-hmm. have to deal yes, with ma'am. love and finances and career and like everyone else. So there's space for complexity, but it doesn't have to always be rooted in the fact that we're traumatized because of our trans experience. Like yeah. there's other things, you know, that we can also show of uh, an array of emotions, mm-hmm. you know, with normal life. And I think that's what the world needs to see more of yeah. versus constantly seeing us, you know, hurt over the same things. Like right. there's, there's space for pain and, 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 uh, and joy, you know, in other areas of life. And so I think I would love to see that just to, just to switch up how people think about us because people do learn a lot from watching television and watching movies. And, and they you know, think we're like monolithic. Yeah. Yeah, like it'll it'll give us some of our humanity back because you know what starts to happen is that the public becomes programmed into thinking that all our experiences is you know are these traumatic experiences and then we just get like pity, you know, and it's like I, I want to be respected. I want to mm-hmm. be respected for the woman I am. Yes, I ha- it's been a long journey, but you know I'm still going every day to accomplish my goals, and yeah. I just I want respect more than. Well, Carmen, I just want to say thank you so much for one, being on the show today, being vulnerable in the ways that you are and just the work that you're doing. I can't wait to see you blow up because you are so amazingly talented. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate y'all so much. Thank you. Of course. And after this, we got more show coming up. The latest Trump era ruling that the Biden administration is getting rid of coming up next and what's trending this hour. I love me some Carmen. Mm hmm. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so we are back. It is 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Woo, wow. You did that, Ryan. Come on, telling time. You did that. I feel like I'm in third grade again. <laughs> <laughs> we are having such a great show. We just had the wonderful, beautiful Carmen Carrera join us for a really a beautiful conversation about trans representation and Hollywood and how we need to pay it forward. But coming up, honey, that's not the best part of the show, even though it was kind of the best part of the show. We have more show coming up because we got to talk about Britney Spears and should we still be streaming her music? Mm. Does it fund the conservators or if we stop streaming it, will Britney go broke? Who knows? One fan and one advocate is saying that we should stop. He's going to be on the show to tell us why. Interesting. Yeah, so, and of course we have Travel Anderson joining us to talk about non-binary week as it's wrapping up. So I'm very, very excited. Let's get into what's trending this hour. Y'all ready? I think so. Okay. I'm I'm holding my breath. Well, this what's trending this hour is really intense. Let's talk about this rare case of monkeypox. 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 Honestly, it sounds like a racial slur, but it's not. I thought that, that you were gonna say e after that. If you've seen I know Beauty Shop, I already knew what you were talking okay, about. Okay. <laughs> okay, go ahead with okay. your story. I'm no. being silly on Friday. Here's the thing: this rare case of monkeypox was found in Texas, um, which is really intense. Uh, it's been confirmed in a Texas resident who had flown to Atlanta from. Nigeria on July 8th with the final destination of Dallas Love Field Airport on July 9th. The CDC um, said this all today it is the first case of the virus seen in the United States in nearly two decades. Oh my God. 
It takes one person to bring over some stuff. All it takes is one person. I remember it's that with worst. bird flu, with West Nile. Like what? Literally, it, all it takes is one person. Like how you get into some mess? Well, some monkeypox. The patient is hospitalized in isolation in Dallas and is in stable condition, which is great news. Um, the illness caused by the monkeypox virus has not been detected in the U.S. since a 2003 outbreak, which involved 47 people. That outbreak was traced to a pet prairie dogs in the Midwest that harbored the virus. Wait, isn't not Timon prairie a prairie dogs. dog? Timon from The Lion King, isn't he a prairie He's dog? He's a hyena, ain't he? No. Oh, my goodness. Timon and Pumbaa. Timon is a prairie dog. Pumbaa's a warthog. Oh, uh, so prairie dogs aren't actually dogs? No. Girl, wow. I've been thinking. I, I, when you said prairie, well, when I said prairie, I was thinking, uh, uh, what's that little house on the prairie? Oh, Laura Ingalls Wilder. <laughs> yes, I was thinking Kyle of that. Richards acted on that show. I was thinking of that. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know if we should be alarmed, but just... We should. And you know why we should, Ryan? Why? Because I'd encourage everyone to put their lunch down. I hope you're I hope you're finished. And Google And it. Google monkeypox oh, and hit images. Please don't. I don't want, I don't want any trauma for your life. <laughs> you Please. can tweet me. <laughs> okay, that is your What's Trending This Hour. Let's get into the tea report. What's tea? Oh my goodness! The T tea report all about Elaine and the talk, right? With Sharon yes. Osbourne, there's so, a mess going on. So I did not know this story until Elaine's response came out this morning. So yes, yes. In short, Elaine Welteroth spoke exclusively to Entertainment Tonight after the Daily Mail leaked audio of Elaine talking to Sharon following the intense on-air discussion between Osborne and then, and her then co-host on the talk back in March. You know what's so wild to me? The Sharon Osborne story does not seem like it took place in March. It seems so long ago. It does seem like six months ago, like at this point. Well, in the audio, Welteroth is comforting a tearful Osborne backstage and says that she's sorry about the way the conversation went down. Now, we all know that Osborne is gone, and on Monday I told you all that Jerry O'Connell is replacing her. However, people are now weaponizing this leaked audio against Elaine Welteroth, saying that in the moment, there was like compassion and empathy for Sharon, but then Elaine changed her tune when it was time to go back on air in a few days. Do you want to play a little bit of it? Well, I don't have the audio. I uh, do. Oh, pull it up. Oh my God, you know we do investigative reporting real quick. Exactly. Are we doing right now? Oh, wait, sorry, guys. You know, it's the computer. It's a live radio moment. It's, a listen. it's worth it, though. What's the intention of this conversation? Because this can go left so fast. I'm like, they go, let me call you back. I said I said to them, this is going to be a train wreck. Oh, look at this, sweetheart. He can tell. I know. Sharon, I'm just so sorry that that was, that that went the way that it went. Do you know, you, do you know what it is, though? When you have to sit there and defend yourself, yeah. it makes you look guilty because you can't yeah. get out of it. Yeah. It's like, well, teach me, teach me. That was only about 30 seconds of it. It's 11 it's minutes. It's 11 minutes long. Well, in her statement, I'll read part of it. Elaine told Entertainment Tonight, I thought we had a closed Painful. We, I thought we had closed a painful chapter in the controversy related to the March 10th show. Today, however, I learned that my private comments made moments from the incident even more uh, from a place of compassion to a then colleague. I'm sorry, it just jumped around. Um, but Elaine goes on in this statement to say, to set the record straight, it was not a hot mic, which is what's being reported. Right. She says, I was unlawfully recorded without my consent. 
and I have never filed a complaint with HR against Sharon Osborne or anyone else. I am disheartened, wow. however, that my kindness has been taken out of context and weaponized in an attempt to absolve responsibility for someone else's actions. You know, I really kind of want to break this down more, um, and we got to wrap you up here because we got so much more show coming up. But this is really interesting how this all has come out when it's come mm-hmm. out. If you want to listen to the full 11 minute clip, uh, head over to WeAreChannelQ.com because, honey, right now we got more show for you as we are wrapping up here. Should we still be streaming Britney Spears? Let's talk about it. I don't know. I'm conflicted here. That's coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. All right, it's time to talk everything Britney Spears because one fan is telling everybody to stop streaming her music after the conservatorship that controls Britney Spears has been declared in court documents as a, quote, hybrid business model. So joining us to discuss more is Jared Lipscomb, the host of Back on Air and a free Britney advocate. Welcome to Let's Go There. Welcome to the show. Well, I thank you so much for having me and for talking about Britney and keeping this conversation going. Oh, yeah, honey. We're we going to give Britney all the airtime we, we need. We love Britney. For sure. She, <laughs> Britney basically birthed me, and she's a child Brittany of Jane. Jean. Um, and she's from Louisiana. Here's the thing. I thought it was really interesting because I want you to kind of connect it for me because my thing is if we stop streaming her music, yes, it is, it is inherently going to impact the conservatorship, but, girl, it, won't she be broke? Well, the thing about it is, is we as the uh, as the advocates kind of behind the scenes with the legal documents and who are really analyzing the uh, steps that are happening, it seems like she is going to be a free woman um, this year or very soon. So this is a short-term way to affect the money going directly into Jamie Spears' pockets. Because let's face it, she still has at least $60 million and even Ooh. even more allegedly. Um, so she will not be hurting for money anytime soon. Uh, so the only thing of impact is directly impact the money going into her father's pockets. And she has made it abundantly clear that she wants nothing to do with that corrupt man. So, it, you know, I, I kind of am just basing it off of what she says. And she herself is on a work hiatus and is not, you know, is refusing to work until she uh, is free from her father. So yeah. to me, it makes sense. We're, she's boycotting her own music. Why, why shouldn't fans follow suit if, we're, if we want to stand up for Britney, you know? Mm-hmm. Ooh, it would be so serendipitous if when Britney is free, the pandemic just goes away. <laughs> <laughs> it would just all fall in it line. Would. It would. It would be like the heavens opening. And you know what? I think it's also important for us not to like pressure Brittany. Like, you know, she's she's sitting down right now. Like when she is free, let's not rush her to get back on stage. But I will be watching exactly. her sit down interview with Oprah on CBS because I know it's That's happening. That's the only stage I want to see oh, her on. Absolutely. In you the know, backyard. we will be glued. Mm-hmm. Yes, in the beautiful backyard in Santa Barbara, we will be mm-hmm. glued to mm-hmm. the screen. You know, Jared. <laughs> so uh, it, explain to me what a hybrid business model is. Well, that is a good question. And that was one of the statements made in a court document that really got a lot of the Free Britney advocates to start investigating the court documents because... Um, they were referencing her conservatorship. This was people on her team who are supposed to be protecting her referred to the conservatorship wow. as a hybrid business model, wow. not as a guardianship That's where she's still protecting her. 
Yeah, so it, it was it was wild, and it, it it's corrupt and it's wrong because no one should be put into that's you know that's um, a form of trafficking really if if it's, they're calling it a business model when they're supposed to be looking after her. because yeah. um, you know she's a person, she's not a brand, you know, right. and uh, they forget that, and and we're here to remind them that you know we're fighting for Britney the person, and that's the other reason why the music, you know, yes we love the music, and yes. You know, if it came down to Britney was running out of money, which I highly doubt will happen, we will start streaming, you know, like a maniac, and we will buy everything that she tells us to buy. But until she aligns herself with what her father's doing, we're not gonna we're not gonna get cave into his wishes and give him more money. He does not deserve it. Smart. I mean, these free Britney advocates, y'all could change everything if y'all really put y'all into okay, it. it. The, the energy y'all, the White House. I said, the energy that y'all, y'all are putting into free Britney, y'all need to go into no, politics. I would, in fairness, I would um, do this if it were free Beyonce. Oh, honestly. Oh, my God. And I'm still doing it. I, I'm not. It's going to be hard for me not to listen to, to Britney's old stuff like Lucky and Sometimes I Run. Oh, my goodness. That's my, my jam. I do wonder, um, as we're having these conversations, because didn't Britney just recently speak out again at the, at, at the court hearing that just happened? Was it this week? Yeah. Hey, Jared. Jared. Did did Jared go away? Oh, I'm right here. I'm right here. Yes, uh, okay. Okay. Hey, hello, Jared. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Brittany, Brittany just spoke um, at a court hearing just a second, uh, just a, like a few days ago, right? And she actually really sound the alarm again. Yes, she spoke on Wednesday and she said some very, just some more damning evidence against the conservatorship saying that it was abusive and she would like to file, you know, suits against her father for conservatorship abuse. She was speaking freely and truly her, her, her honest truth once again for the second time in three, you know, in about a three week period. And all she's saying is making it so clear she does not want in this conservatorship and she wants nothing to do with her family so yeah you know it, it was it was shocking it was heartbreaking as a fan to hear but it's also empowering because she finally has a voice and it seems like she's being heard because we got that new lawyer you know and he's fine we, we love to look at him and we love what he has to say so oh, i ain't even seen what he looked like either. now wait a second I but he's that. represented other high profile celebrity clients though that i know oh that's good but Steven i haven't Spielberg, seen what he looks Sean like. Penn, yeah mm-hmm. we are excited for him i got to speak with him briefly at the rally and i just was able to say you know thank you for representing do we have any good news and he said he gave a quick statement to press which was you know the first time we've heard any any of her attorneys even speak out publicly so it was just so refreshing to hear a voice of reason in all of this chaos well we appreciate you for being our official reporter on all this because honey it's it's really coming handy i feel like i've learned so much and i'm now reconsidering listening to britney's music because i am no longer putting money in those people's pockets it's gonna be so hard i know i know it, it, but you know what youtube exists we have we <laughs> true youtube does exist that way. youtube exists you know so you know or you could just purchase the albums people yeah, well, just that, buy them. Still going in their pockets. Oh yeah. I'm oh, sorry. I didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't connect the dots. So. Oh God, Jared. Jared Lipscomb. Thank you so much. You are the host of Back on Air podcast, and of course, a free Britney advocate. We really appreciate you for being here. Oh, thank you so much. I love y'all show, and I love talking to you. Free oh, Britney. Thank.
Thank you, babes. I really appreciate you. Free Britney all the way. Honestly, this is the only time I'll probably be caping for a white woman. It's incredible. I- well, it's because Britney brings everyone together. She really does. Republicans and Democrats. She really does. She brings she everyone really together. Oh, my God. Matt Gates. Okay, I will Ooh. keep talking to you if you don't get off this phone. We got more show coming up. We're celebrating Non-Binary Awareness Week, closing it out with the one and only icon, Travel Anderson. Bye, y'all. We got more show coming up. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Now, if you didn't know, it's Non-Binary Awareness Week, and I think it's important for us to discuss what awareness really looks like moving forward in terms of representation and the needs of the non-binary community. Sharjah Jassel is here filling in for Shira Lazar. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And joining us for this conversation is journalist and podcaster of the Fantai Podcast and EW Entertainment Weekly's limited series podcast, Untold Stories. Travel Anderson, Thank you so much for being on Let's Go There. Thank y'all for having me back. Hope you both are well. Oh, of course. And we have birthdays coming up. You know, shout out to the little Leos in the world. (laughs) Yes, Leo season is here. Oh, God. Where do I run and hide for 30 days? No, but Travel, I'm I'm, I'm really happy that we have you because I know you've been doing your own work, especially with EW's limited series podcast, Untold Stories, and you've been exploring more non-binary storytelling. But what does this week specifically mean to to you when we're talking about awareness? Yeah, I mean, I think this week is, is I feel similar to it the same ways I feel about Trans Day of Visibility and Trans Awareness Week and like all these other weeks, right? It's a great opportunity for folks to do greater education and, and to raise awareness about growing segments of our community. But ultimately, we need people to go beyond just this day. Right. We need folks to to figure out ways to support and advocate on behalf of non-binary people um, in kind of their everyday work. When you go to when you go to your workplace, when you go to school, all those other things. And so this this week, this day in particular, you know, I could take it or leave it. You know, I'm really interested <laughs> in policy changes. You know, I'm interested in, you know, the ways in which we can affirm everybody. Yeah, I'm someone I was just sharing with Ryan when we first came in studio. I still have a lot of questions around non-binary representation. Like, and even as mm-hmm. someone who's like under the trans umbrella myself, I'm like, hmm, and maybe we can talk off air. But uh, <laughs> I think we should. I think we should have the conversation because I, I do think there is such. Let's do it. So here's okay. So here is my question, Tra- Travell. Maybe you can answer for the me this, or maybe you can't. So non-binary means. To, from what I've learned, to exist outside of the binaries, right? hmm Okay. So then what kind of throws me off is when someone would identify as like a non-binary man or a non-binary mm-hmm. woman, because those are very mm-hmm. binary identities. So how mm-hmm. is one a non-binary man or a non-binary woman? Break it down. So this is this is a great question. Um, and so I'll start by quoting from a study that was done last month by the Williams Institute, which is out of UCLA. And they did a study that um, showed that 1.2 million people, adults, excuse me, in the United States identify as non-binary. In their study, wow. they detail that non-binary, um, it can be used and interpreted in a variety of different ways, in the same ways that you know various gender identities mean mm-hmm. different things for different folks. So you do have some non-binary people who, don't, who do not identify as members of the trans community. Those mm-hmm. are the folks who you will hear say non-binary man, non-binary woman. For those folks, 
non-binary is like a gender presentation. It's about how they show up and move through the world. And then you have other people like myself who non-binary is my gender identity, right? And Mm. so you won't hear me say that I'm a non-binary man or a non-binary woman. You just hear me say I'm a non-binary bad you-know-what, okay? Uh, I know that's right. Right, (laughs) Right. you better say that. And so it's one of those things where, like, you know, identity can be super, it, it is super complex and complicated, and it means different things for different folks. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, we're trying to get to a world where, you know, the language that you use for yourself is the language that you use for yourself. I know, that's and right. And folks are constantly educating themselves. Thank well, you for that. Well, and I think that's really interesting, and I kind of want to keep you around so we can keep this conversation mm-hmm. going, because I, I want to know how we should be redefining that word awareness, and especially because it feels like it's so, it can be very complicated in, in what that means for everyone. So let's uh, stick around with you, Travail Anderson. We got more show coming up uh, in a second. Cool. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Okay, so we are back celebrating Non-Binary Awareness Week with the one and only Travail Anderson. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I think a lot of the conversations that even Shar and I have offline, um, it's really interesting when you're talking about just non-binary existing in certain groups and often wondering, I've I've always seen non-binary people kind of get joined in with the trans community and oftentimes, Mm -hmm. and I I wonder if there's any conflict of that because those experiences can be different and some trans people could feel like, well, that isn't my experience and should it be a part of this community and, and what does that look like? Should non-binary people should be in their own space or have their own letter a part of the whole LGBTQ plus, you know? So what, mm-hmm, what does mm-hmm. that really look like in terms of those kind of complicated and nuanced conversations? Well, I think the way you said it is 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 an accurate read of the situation. There there are some trans people who do not feel like non-binary people um, are part of the trans community. And a lot of times that's wrapped up in what I say is like internalized, like bioessentialism. Um, mm-hmm. Folks who feel like our identities as non-binary people somehow invalidates their womanhood or their manhood, mm-hmm. um, and so there, there, there. Sometimes it's just a, a pushing back there with some folks. Ultimately, though, anybody who does not identify with the gender that they were assigned at birth. Right. Uh, then you you fall in my read. You fall under the trans umbrella and whether or not you choose to use the term trans for yourself, you can self-select. You can do that on your own. Um, but I do think that there, you know, community, intercommunity, intercommunity. I can't remember which one I'm supposed to say, but like <laughs> conversations within the community are always going to be, you know, murky because identity is so complex and complicated. Yeah. And because it's deeply personal, um, I think it's important for everyone just to remain open and to realize that one person's assertion of their identity does not have to invalidate the other person. Mm, That's what I call kitchen table talk. Okay, (laughs) you know, some some stuff we don't need an audience for some stuff. We just come around the kitchen table and hash it on out. That's it. Um, so tell us a little bit more about your uh, EW limited series podcast, Untold Stories. Yes. So I pitched this idea. Um, I hosted this limited series podcast for them called Untold Stories Pride Edition last year. And each episode focused on a different like segment of the community and their um, visibility. For this season, I pitched them my idea to do an entire season, four episodes, all about non-binary visibility. We are in this moment. 
in which there are more people identifying as non-binary than ever before, non-binary, genderqueer, etc. Um, Demi Lovato just came out, you know, a few, what, months ago at this point yes, as non-binary. Sam Smith came out as non-binary Emma a couple Corrin. years ago. Listen, so many people are coming out as non-binary, and we're seeing more and more non-binary folks on TV and on screen. And so each episode of the podcast, I only interview non-binary people about how we feel about this moment, our questions, what we're looking for, the future we would like to see realized. Um, And it's a really great opportunity just to hear non-binary people in conversation with other non-binary people. Was there anything that you kind of learned about your yourself through these conversations that you were like, wow, I'm kind of still figuring out my own journey? I mean, I think, I think the beauty of it is that for me as a non-binary person, my gender journey is something that I'm constantly working mm-hmm. on. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a trail that I'm constantly walking. And I think the one thing that stuck out to me from all of the different interviews that I did, you know, we had Demi Lovato on the podcast. We had Rebecca Sugar and Noel Stevenson and Alok and Jacob Tobiah and a variety of other folks is that we all are just trying to live our best lives. Ultimately, yeah. right. We're trying to actualize what freedom looks like to us in hopes that it liberates somebody else. Right. Somebody will see us walking down the street doing what we do, and then they will feel liberated. They will be, feel like they have permission to, to, you know, color outside the lines, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's the thing that stuck out for me the most, is that we're all just trying to, to free folks. All right, super quickly, we have about 10 seconds left. Tell everyone where they can go listen and find out more about the podcast. Yes, Untold Stories Beyond the Binary, available wherever you get Slayworthy audio and on Entertainment Weekly's website and YouTube page. That is Travel Anderson, journalist and podcaster and all-around icon, legendary person. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> Thank y'all so much. Thanks, Thank Travel. Y'all. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. It is time for our Yes Queen. And this one is actually sports-related, Char, which honestly, I can't believe we're doing it. We're talking about sports. Listen, I'm sports uh, savvy to an extent. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, but this one is actually a really cool one. Chicago Sky's Candace Parker will be the first woman on the cover of NBA 2K. Now, if you don't know what that is, like I didn't know what that is. It's a best-selling basketball video game. And for the first time ever, will feature a woman athlete on its cover, which is so cool and so exciting. Her appearance marks the first time a female athlete will ever be on the cover. Like I just said, oh my God, what am I talking about? And she's also going to be on a uh, on the cover of a special edition of NBA 2K22. Now, hold on now. I know we're in the middle of a yes, Queen, but I have a fun fact for you and a question. Okay. So, do we know if... I'll start with the question, then give you the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So, do we know if this video game is actually featuring WNBA players, or is she just a cover star? Good question. Um, I don't it'll know. It'll just be LeBron and Steph Curry and the usuals. James Harden. I have no clue, actually. It just feels like they're just giving her that. See, people uh, just cover. be doing stuff to do. I mean, I love it. It's history making. It's iconic. But come on now, you all. <laughs> now, what sense does that make? And are you ready for my fun fact? Yes, what's the fun fact? Michelle Williams, one-third of Destiny's Child, is part owner of the Chicago Sky. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. 
Oh, wow. I had no clue about that. Well, yes, Queen. Parker, yes. <laughs> Candace Parker said this. She said, the cover of NBA 2K is such a pivotal platform to inspire young ballers. And I wanted future WNBA stars to, to know that they can be cover athletes, too. Representation matters. So this is a special moment of progress for the sport and the series. So, yes, Queen to Candace Parker. Hopefully, they start to put WNBA players they in mix there. Them. They should mix them, like have Candace Parker play Steph Curry. Like that would be everything. Teams. I love that. That would well, be good. That's your yes, Queen, and that is the show for today. Coming up, oh well. First of all, I can't end this show without saying thank you to Charge myself for filling say, in all week. Lying. I'm joking. <laughs> Shira thank will be you. back Monday. I hope you all enjoyed me. I had a lot of fun for these past five. I'm days. so used to you being here, where I'm just like, oh my god, I need more Char. Uh-huh. But on Monday show, we have so much recovering. Um, this idea of team with secure family relationships pay it forward with empathy for friends so we're going to be talking about that and so much more right now though we got what's popping with dj alex d y'all better party it down honey remember to slay of course all weekend and be safe bye y'all have a good weekend wear your mask Mm -hmm. this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.